All right. Howdy, BHR Sears. You can find every episode of Why People on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast content. Uh, on this episode of Why People, episode number six, uh, we are thrilled to have Dr. Angela Justice, uh, recently the Chief People Officer and Head Medical of Medical Affairs at TCR Squared Therapeutics, uh, and the founder and manager uh, of the Justice Group with us, a uh, very well-known uh, person uh, throughout the life sciences uh, space. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of fun with the conversation. So let's get to it. Uh, on this Why People episode, episode number six, uh, we're excited to have Angela Justice. Uh, Dr. Angela Justice is recently the Chief People Officer and Head of Medical Affairs at TCR Squared uh, and is also uh, the founder and manager of the Justice Group. Uh, we're also joined by co-founder of the BHRC, Paul Roberts. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. What a great day for a podcast. Angela, it's wonderful to have you. Thanks for being here. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here with you both. Well, uh, well, Angela, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you to kind of get us started here. Um, you're super well known within the full executive community here, um, not just in greater Boston, but I'd say throughout the country. But just want to, you know, have give you the chance to kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and we'll we'll start the conversation. Great. Thank you so much, John. Uh, yeah. So again, thrilled to be here with you both. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's really exciting. Um, and thanks, frankly, for everything you do with the BHRC. It's really wonderful to have this resource for the HR community. So thank you for that, too. Um, yeah, look, so I, I grew up in a really small town in Minnesota, very Midwestern rural community, had no idea what HR was, really never um, considered it as a career path, didn't really know what I wanted to do, frankly, but knew I was really interested in how the mind works. I was really interested in human behavior and just really interested in figuring things out. I had a deep curiosity for science, um, was always learning, really interested in arts and you know all sorts of different things. And ultimately that um, took me to uh, Mankato State University where I got a degree in psychology. Um, again, still not really thinking about how that related to a career in HR, but definitely formed the foundation for an interest in research and interest in human behavior got from there a PhD in biopsychology at the University of Chicago and quickly realized that while I loved research and I loved academia, it wasn't really the career path for me. So I went to McKinsey um, and company where I was a management consultant. And that was really my first introduction to business uh, and really the first introduction, if I think about it, into how organizations work, really how people work how reward systems drive behavior, how reinforcement strategies are really critical to making things work, um, and thinking about how to really operationalize strategy. So at, at McKinsey, I'm sure you're aware, a brilliant strategy consulting firm. And you know, we would design these incredible strategies to solve really huge problems for companies. And I stayed in touch with a lot of my clients after I would leave the engagements. And I was always a little disheartened that something 
didn't quite connect, right? Not everything was perfectly realized. And I realized, you know, over time that that the common thread, there was always people. It was always culture. It was roles and, and responsibilities not correctly being aligned. It was reinforcement strategies not being thought through. Um, it was really people and culture and change management and, and all of the things, frankly, that we think about and care about in HR. Um, so really, that was kind of the first inklings that perhaps HR was an area that was interesting to me, but still not necessarily as a career. It just became a side project, a side hobby. I constantly learned about leadership and business and kind of the interplay between the two. Um, but I'll, I'll pause there because that, that's kind of just a very intro beginning to, to my uh, my life and career in HR. Yeah, well, well, Angel, that's, um, that's amazing. And it's, it's a great backdrop for us. So thanks for giving us um, the background. And it's, it's neat, right? So the Boston HR Council, um, shoot, I think we're over a thousand of your HR and people executive peers now that are active community members. And it, I, I always found it so neat just how unique everyone's backstory is. Um, you know, how they got started, where they came from, what their, you know, kind of their passions were or what, or what drove them into the, into the, the field. I guess if, if we go all the way back um, and, and talk about maybe your childhood um, and, you know, talk about your school age years, um, maybe walk us through a little bit of that. And, and I'd just be curious if, if there was anything at that point um that now when you look back, said, said, geez, that was kind of a, a lighthouse or a buoy that I maybe I should have known that I'd track towards this this type of career, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you kind of a funny story. So when I was probably, I don't know, seven, maybe, I think it was like first grade, we had this assignment where we were given a quarter, right? And we were told to turn it into something of greater value. And, you know, most people like, I don't know. I don't even remember what most people did. But what I did was I went out and I bought 25 gumballs from like the penny candy machine. And I like peddled them in the lunch line. You know, you could charge like a nickel for one of these pieces of candy. And, and all of a sudden I made money that I could reinvest and buy bigger candy and other things. But rather than just doing that, what I did is I went out and I built a team. I enlisted a bunch of my like school age friends, right, to build a team. I trained them. <laughs> I actually purposely went through the work of like thinking about how can I turn this into a business? How can I make these lunch lines like really great, um, you know, revenue opportunity here and, and really not only like master the school assignment, but like have a lot of fun doing it. Um, of course, just as I was ready to deploy that team, we got shut down uh, by the school officials. Um, we hadn't really, you know, managed the regulatory restrictions of the school. And so learned one of my first lessons there about um you know, change management and compliance. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that was probably was a bit of a lighthouse moment because I had so much fun coming up with that strategy and, you know, enlisting the people and training them and thinking about how to get them excited about what I was excited about. So that notion of building teams from very early on, I think was something that was kind of always there. Yeah, I, I love that, Angela. And, and I mean, I also think it, it it says something about the entrepreneurial spirit that um, I, I, you could argue has always been required in the HR and people function, but definitely over the last three years, when advocating for what is needed um, to support high functioning teams across the board, um, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you've gone to bat for for quite a few things uh, in in your career, but but specifically over the last couple of years. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, we've really, um, we've kind of seen it all over the last few years, haven't we? It's been, it's been quite a, quite a journey for all of us in HR. And, and I think what it's done is really highlight, to your point, the entrepreneurial nature required in, in really great HR leaders, um, but also just the enormous one privilege that we have sitting in these seats, right, having this role, but also responsibility that we have. You know, we're shepherding employees through what is probably the biggest chunks of their lives, right? Their their time at work, and so making sure that that time is is really fruitful and rewarding and productive, you know, fun to the extent it can be, right? Like we all love to have fun at work, but doing that 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 really is an incredible privilege and responsibility. And the last few years have definitely showcased how and why that uh, that kind of care is really important. Yeah. Would we uh, would we find a gumball machine in your office right now or no? Oh, you should actually. Gosh, why don't I have one of those? Yeah, you absolutely should. Next I mean, time. It makes make sense for all the, you know, being in HR, I'm sure you're in a lot of sticky situations. So it makes sense. <laughs> Good one. That's a perfect tie into you. Yes. <laughs> Not to mention, it's always nice to have some candy to lure people into your office, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Angela, it's, it's kind of good. Um, I guess foreshadowing. We'll 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 talk more about um, the last couple of years uh, later on in our conversation. But I, I'd like to kind of stay um, in you know maybe your, your formative years or um, you know as you were, were kind of going through school. And um, I won't call you an academic. I mean, uh, you've certainly spent your time in academia. But I'm just curious, um, given that, um, given your background and given a lot of the things that you've studied. Um, and given what you shared on, on the front end about your career path, um, you've you've told us a little bit about the the directional moment, or at least the directional thought process of of leaning into the HR and people function. Was there an actual defining moment or an aha? Like it was like you want to know what? I've studied all of these things and I've done all of these things, but I feel like my passion and my impact can be rooted here and kind of a not a total pivot but certainly maybe a little bit of a directional thinking i don't know that there was a like one defining moment but i can certainly tell you there was a time that was that was really pivotal and fundamental to that when i was at, at biogen i was uh, initially there as the head of medical training so i built out the medical training organization for the the entire organization we were getting ready to launch you know five drugs in five years. It was a, a really massive undertaking and so much fun. I mean, just an incredible opportunity. And that was really squarely in the medical affairs space. And I was approached um, by the chief HR officer at the time, Ken DiPietro, to say, hey, look, we've seen what you've done for medical training. We want to make learning a competitive advantage for Biogen, and we'd like you to do that for us. And so he wanted me to take the model that I built for medical training, where I kind of, you know, took this entire worldwide medical organization and, and pulled it together for all of learning. And, you know, I was ob obviously thrilled and humbled that I was considered for that, but I also had a request of him, right? Because I started to think, gosh, this learning stuff is really cool and, and this people stuff and culture and all of it, maybe there's something deeper, like the interest goes deeper than just learning and development. Maybe really HR is what I'm interested in. And so I asked him to be on his HR leadership team. I said, look, I'll volunteer for any project you have. I'll do anything. I just want to learn. 
just like take me under your wing, teach me HR so I can see if this really is the appropriate career path, if this is really the area that I want to focus. Um, and he did to his credit. He was, he is still remains an incredible mentor. Um, but he and the rest of the leaders on that HR leadership team really showed me what great great HR was. And that really was the turning point where I said, look, you know, I'm always going to have an interest in medical affairs. I still, you know, was running medical affairs at TCR Squared. I think it's great to have kind of feet into different um, different sides of the business. But uh, but HR really became the focus, and it was really after that. It was that that was the turning point. Yeah, I mean, what a cool story um, um, to have that opportunity, right? Um, I, I love the approach, right? Hey, just give me something, to, give me something to do, give me something to work on. Um, and it's interesting, Angela, and I think it's kind of a good, maybe a good transition into maybe more kind of the you know present time and 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 how you're thinking about the function, but, um, and I'm not the greatest uh, uh, benchmark here. I'm a, I'm a finance guy that's only learned anything about HR from, you know, you and your peers over the last three years. Um, but it's interesting when we talk to a lot of your peers or just have kind of these types of conversations in general, um, learning and development tends to kind of and I'm just kind of going from my gut here. I haven't seen this, you know, printed anywhere, but it tends to kind of live in its own ecosystem uh, in a lot of ways, right? When when you think about the the broader HR and people spectrum, right? And you think uh, um, HR ops, right? Comp and benefits and pay and employee engagement and, um, you know, employee relations and compliance, you know, learning and development is, is, has certainly kind of moved into that spectrum, but it's it's always kind of been being brought along um, when you can make the argument that any great organization is a learning organization, right? So I guess my long-winded uh, question here is with learning kind of being what I would consider, and I won't speak for you, your, your HR and people superpower, how did you round out the rest of that spectrum to have a seat on that HR leadership team that you talked about. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're exactly right, Sean. Learning and development has always kind of seemed to be a bit on the edge. And yet, you know, to your point, really any great organization can and should be a learning organization. And learning really is the cornerstone, I think, of, of almost everything that builds success in, in HR and in companies. Um, so personally, yeah, I, I definitely have a spike in, in learning and development. I've spent a lot of time in that space. I have a deep passion for it. And the rest of it was pretty new. So really what, um, what I did was volunteer for projects to learn. So, you know, Comp and Ben, completely out of my, my wheelhouse when I first, you know, dabbed my, uh, dipped my toe into HR. And so I volunteered for a couple of projects at Biogen where I worked on building, um, you know, pay grades and levels and, and job mapping and job codes and got really deep into a lot of the detail that frankly, I was not aware of, right? Or I didn't really know much about, but just digging in and doing what was, you know, probably very entry level work, but just to learn was really important. And, and that's kind of what I've done throughout my entire career is just dig in and learn as much as I possibly can and learn not only by um, you know reading about it and talking to people, but really learning by doing. And for me, there's never any 
work or project that's too like you know low level like i i will dig in and and do whatever it takes to really deeply understand the subject matter and to really feel confident and comfortable applying it in in other spaces yeah that's it's it's great to hear that you that you went that route and said hey i'm if i'm going to do this i have to dig in the places that i'm I, I haven't really spent some time with before i i'd imagine well i guess i i won't imagine how how was that compensation project? How how did it make you feel, right? Um, uh, and we have a lot of compensation experts, kind of in our ecosystem, and and that work in and of itself is uniquely different than a lot of the the work, you know, across the spectrum. So I guess how did doing that project make you feel? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was great. Um, it was it was eye opening in so many ways because again, it showed me kind of the rich complexity behind the scenes that went on in an HR function and supported the business. And the beauty of it, when you understand the mechanics and then you think about how to apply it in a, in a really strategic and thoughtful way, when you know the real the basics and inner workings, it gives you the ability to say, okay, what if I tweaked this? What if I did this? How does this link to this? And then importantly, how would I measure? Like, what is my hypothesis and how would I measure um, the impact of whatever tweaking, right, that I want to do. So for me, it was it was super exciting and fun. The project itself, you know, I, I don't remember a ton about, but I remember being really interested and excited about the opportunity to experiment, to like tinker with some of the stuff, and uh, and that was really fun. That's neat. Um, and so I'll just I'll kind of pivot back, um, Angela, to more of the learning and development um so it's it's always been interesting to me i think learning and development or just learning in general in some of the industries that um that we're lucky enough in the new england area to to to, to be around right life sciences um uh, professional services financial services technology um it seems to be um a little bit more on the forefront I'll just put you on the spot. What advice would you give to some of our uh, BHRCers and just our our listening audience in general that might be in a different industry, say you know manufacturing, say blue collar construction, what have you, that L and D might be or we know is equally as important, um, but maybe isn't getting the um, the attention it deserves. What what advice might you give? Uh, an executive to to maybe shine some light on it for their their executive team. Mm, that's a good question. Hard to answer without knowing, I suppose, specifics. But what I would say is, you know, if we think about retention, engagement, motivation as critical levers for any business, right? You obviously want to be attracting the best talent and doing everything you can to fully maximize and develop them and and ultimately retain them. Focusing on learning, focusing on their individual development is it's just a really rich and robust way to do that. And frankly, it can be relatively straightforward. Um, so I think you get a lot of return for, frankly, some, I don't want to say easy, it's never easy to design these, these strategies and execute them. But, you know, it's, it's pretty, you can do it with minimal investment, at least. And so I think there's some real, um, there's some real opportunity there for folks in any sort of business. And I would say one of the biggest areas where you can get tremendous return is by focusing on your managers. Really, that frontline manager, it's such a critical role. 
I think of them as the force multipliers of any organization. And I always tell people, if you're going to do anything, start with your managers, focus on them, and you're going to get disproportionate rewards for any investment you make there. Yeah, that's great advice, uh, Angela. And it's, and it's interesting, you, you started down the path, um, your, uh, your, your old team at, at McKinsey just came out with a pretty comprehensive um, study um, on, you know, over the last, um, I think it was 24 or maybe 36 months, why people are, are leaving positions, why people are looking for positions, why people are accepting new positions. Um, and the old favorites that we always think are going to be up there, right? Compensation, uh, benefits, right? They're still there, but they're not at the top. It's all around, um, you know, career pathing, you know, helping me think about my, my, my career and what's next and helping me advance. So um, plenty of data that are supported. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the individual that has the deepest impact, the most significant impact on how people feel about those things, it's their managers, right? So it's not right. the company as a whole necessarily. It's not their executive leader. It's really that that manager, that one person who they are having the most meaningful interaction with. That person has such a tremendous impact on an individual's satisfaction, performance, motivation, engagement, retention, right, in that role. And so it, it's such an incredible opportunity to focus on developing those managers. Agreed. And and so, Angela, we'll we'll kind of stay kind of in the present right now. Um, but would love for you to tell us a little bit, you told us about your background, right? You've told us about some of the things that you did early on in your career to to kind of forge forward in the in the the HR and people space. Could you tell us a little bit um about your rise to the 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 top, you know, the chief people officer, the CHR our own role, kind of what that was like, when you knew you were ready, if you knew you were ready, all the things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. So uh, so I mentioned I was the chief learning officer, or maybe I did, but I was the chief learning officer at Biogen. That was when I, I took that challenge on to make learning a competitive advantage for Biogen. And, you know, I was doing that role for a time, was learning as much as I could about HR, was spending a lot of time um, really studying, both studying within the business, studying outside of the business, and, and really talking to a lot of other chief HR officers and leaders to, to figure out what made them successful. So I, I did a lot of homework, a lot of talking to people, and I had an opportunity to present itself to go be the chief HR officer for a company called Surgery Partners. And this was a bit of a departure from biotech. It's still in like the healthcare life sciences space but in the, um, the healthcare side. And I found that really exciting because throughout my career, I really have tried to take a bit of a, a holistic approach to healthcare life sciences. So, you know, working at McKinsey, I, I had a bit of exposure to the space there, but then I worked in a patient advocacy organization, a nonprofit, the National MS Society. So I saw that patient advocacy side and obviously going into the biotech side, now being on the healthcare side, it would kind of round out that, um, that ecosystem of healthcare life sciences. And so I jumped at the opportunity. Was I ready? No, probably not. I don't know that I would ever really think I'm, I'm ready, but I also don't know that anybody necessarily needs to be or should be feeling 100% ready for their next challenge. I think if you can feel like you're 80% there, 
and you know how to ask good questions and find resources and you know be very open about the things you don't know, um, you can make it work. And so I took this role, definitely was thrown into the deep end on some things, had to learn a lot real fast, but it really did solidify my interest and passion for the space and for the role. Uh, and I learned a, a tremendous amount through that role. I also learned that frankly, the healthcare side is not really my passion. As a scientist, you know, being in in biotech itself and and working with with uh, companies and leaders and scientists is really really where it's at for me. Um, but yeah, and that propelled me into my next role at TCR Squared, where I got the chance to help build that company really from the very early days. Uh, it's just been it's been a tremendous journey. So yeah, the the rise of chief people officer um, definitely. A little unexpected, probably a little unprepared, but I would do it again. I think the exact same way. Um, what a cool story and kind of a cool trajectory, um, Angela. And and with your with your last role, it, it's it's interesting. You had a you know a a title that we don't see that much, right? Yeah. Um, Chief People Officer, of course, is a is a, a super impactful position, but you were also head of medical affairs. So could you tell us a little bit about that? And then I would love to, you know, when you're in, when you're finished kind of explaining it to us, I'd love to understand, I'm sure both hats were helpful. You know, I'm sure they were supplementary in a lot of ways, but I'm just curious if there was any, ever any friction between the two hats, right? Um, thinking with different sides of your brain or, 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 you know, however you want to think. So just curious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's, it's certainly not a common title and, and not a career path that's really out there. Right. That um, it, it's pretty unique. Although I, I think that's kind of awesome. Right. And I think it's something that I'd love to see others do. I'm sure others are doing, but it's kind of that portfolio career approach, right. It's having your, you know, having your hands in a couple of different pots. And, you know, for me coming really up from medical affairs. I spent a lot of time in various medical affairs roles. I have a deep passion for medical affairs and the impact that it has in, in organizations and in the care um, of patients. So for me, that's always been a real passion. And the, you know, I started as a chief people officer at TCR Squared. The medical affairs wasn't there. It, it wasn't really anything that any of us had thought about. But there came a time, in fact, we were at a board retreat, one of our strategic offsites, and we were talking about, you know, the future and what was next, right, with our platform. And, you know, I started talking about the need for a focus on medical affairs. And at least one of our board members who had gone down the commercialization path of the previous company in cell therapy shared that passion. And I went off to my room and I wrote the job description and got it approved by the board. And, um, and basically committed to hiring and building that function in very short order, which I did. And so has there been friction between the two sides? Not really, because I brought in an incredible VP of medical affairs, who really was the person who was driving the day-to-day -day work in the medical affairs side. And I was really focused still a lot more on the HR, um, the people and culture work. But obviously shepherding it, overseeing it, kind of driving it from a strategic perspective. But, you know, my success has always been um, about finding the right people and developing leaders and building teams. Uh, and that, that's what I've done in both cases. I have an incredible VP of HR 
Liz Vigent at uh, TCR Squared, and then an incredible VP of Medical Affairs, Laura Gunn. So without them, it probably would have been much more difficult. What are the two, one or two qualities when you're looking for these key people and characteristics that you they're kind of common, common in, in your key hires? Is there kind of some kind of trend or is it across the board or can you really narrow it down to maybe these one or two qualities that every one of your past leaders have had? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I have to think about it a bit. I would say, you know, curiosity, just that that drive for learning, continuous improvement, development. There's something there that I would say is very much in every person I've probably ever hired in my career for every role. I love that. I look for people who have a passion for learning, who are just intensely, innately curious, um, as I think those people find ways. They make it work, right? And they they see connections perhaps that others don't. And so I really love that as a as a core kind of fundamental competency for people. And then, you know, I think there's some aspect of emotional intelligence too that that's always pretty key in in people that I hire. Um, yeah, I think those are those are probably two that are common and core. Not always the ones that stand out on a resume, though, right? Those are the those are the ones right. that you got to dig for a little bit. That's right. I, I think that's exactly right, Sean. It's um, those are those are traits and characteristics that you you have to suss out, right? You learn about in talking to people. You learn about in reference checks. You learn about in in observing, right? It's it's a lot more in the the more subtle um, kind of aspects of the interactions. Yeah. Well. Well, thanks. Thanks for kind of walking us through, um, Angela. And and um, you know, I'd like to maybe focus now the the remainder of our conversation here on the future, right? Kind of thinking about what's next, not only not only for yourself, but for I, I guess HR and people in general relative to um, to the to the business. So I guess we'll start with uh, we'll start with you. What what are you thinking about for your future and 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 kind of you know, what you're going to be doing and how you're going to be helping. We'd, we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, great. So, yeah, look, I'm always open, right? I always I, I always like to have kind of a healthy sense of like what the universe presents and what opportunities kind of come forward. But some of the things that I'm focusing on intentionally right now are um, are things that I think can make a, a difference in, in the field of HR. So I'm working on an executive coaching practice. I've been an executive coach for a time, but I've been building that practice. And really one of the key areas of focus is on aspiring and current chief people officers. So HR leaders who want to elevate their impact um, and, and really help their organizations thrive that's that's definitely an area of focus. Um, I you know I love being a chief people officer, and I certainly wouldn't say that I won't do it again. It's it's been it's it's just again a tremendous privilege and, and honor um, and responsibility, and I, I I love it. I take it very seriously. But helping others do that role well is is really exciting to me right now, and to be able to impact more leaders, more companies, more employees, you know, in the life sciences space, more patients. Um, that just fills me with just joy. Um, it's just super exciting for me. So that's something I'll be focusing on. And then, you know, I'd love to do some board service. I think that's kind of one of the next um, frontiers for me. And frankly, for HR as a field, it's shocked me a little bit. And, and I think this is some areas, an area that we all need to work on, but that we don't have more HR leaders represented on boards of directors, particularly given 
what we've seen right over the last couple of years and just you know having that voice that perspective on a board to help them think through and really shepherd the companies through some of the challenges that they face and will be facing and really maximize the the company the talent the organization to get results that that's also tremendously exciting for me so that that's something i'm looking forward to as well yeah, well, it sounds like you have a lot going on, Angela, a lot of exciting things. And you you mentioned ex- ex- uh, aspiring CHROs and, and leaders, and, and and you mentioned her early, and I'm not saying that she is, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, but you mentioned Liz Vigent. We're a huge Liz fan. She's a great BHRCer, so uh, so shout out to Liz um, uh, when she listens to this. But um, so thanks for sharing what, what's next for you, um, Angela, and we're excited to kind of watch that as a as a community. As you as you kind of sit in the seat now and think about the work, could you talk a little bit about what you think is next for HR and people as a function, kind of as a whole? Oh gosh, good question. You know, I think it's uh, it's going to be continuing a lot of what we've started over the last couple of years. Really, you know, rising the the impact, the um, the voice that collectively we share as an HR function to be that strategic voice of people talent for the company to really help people understand how people can connect how you connect the dots with people and culture and use that to drive business results i think really being able to articulate the value of some of the work that hr does through you know stories that have come out over the last couple of years, data that we've been compiling over the last couple of years to show that when HR is done really well, when we're really thinking what the end result is that we have in mind and we're finding a way to drive towards that and measure that, I think we'll be able to elevate the function um, in, in frankly, the eyes of, of the world, right? I think HR still sometimes feels a little bit like in the background and the work that HR does is absolutely in the forefront. And I'd love to see us continue to tell that story and tell it in an incredibly compelling way. Um, because, you know, the future of these companies, of employees' livelihoods, um, of the people we serve, it's it's really, in, a lot of it's in our hands. And I'd love to see that continue to to rise. No, that's, um, that's great. And, and yeah, I mean, it's certainly an exciting time, uh, I think, to be in the people and in, in an HR function, especially, um, I think the platform that that the last three years has has given folks doing the work. And, and curious, Angela, and I won't certainly hope it's not feeling like you're getting put on the spot too much here, but you can feel comfortable knowing that you're chatting with Paul and I, and neither of us know anything about technology. But how how are you thinking right now about kind of the the technology that's being talked about? Some you know AI and and some of the more generative AI things. How does that make you feel as a you know as an HR leader? What do you think it means for the future? Yeah, I'm fascinated by it. Fascinated. Um, yeah, I'll just use fascinated because that encompasses a whole range of of things. I'm trying to learn as much as I can. That's something that I'm I'm kind of studying right now um, because I think there's some incredible potential there. I also think it's something that we need to be really thoughtful about. And something that we need to be thinking, you know, several steps ahead to make sure that we're not not setting ourselves up for some unintended consequences, right? That's 
so much of the role of HR is trying to avoid unintended consequences to really be thoughtful about all of that. Um, and I think this is one of those areas where we we really need to to think hard. Um, but boy, the potential is is really exciting. So I'm I'm uh, I'm learning as much as I can. Yeah, um, same boat. Um, and it's interesting, Angela. Um, I I read any article that kind of stands out and I think I might be able to learn a little bit more than than I already know about the technology. But it's funny, I have a a little brother and he graduated uh, from high school a couple of weeks ago, um, and we were out to dinner for his graduation. And I was kind of blabbing, you know, corporate blabbing about AI. And he fired back to me about all the stuff he knows about it. And I was like, wow, um, certainly a lot of good, but certainly a lot of kind of scary power uh, to the technology as well, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If he, I'd love if you have or if he has any resources um, that he recommends or you do, please send them my way. Because, again, I'm I'm trying to learn as much as I can right now. Yeah, so they might have to be off the record, Angela. Uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's a young, young, youngster that that does a lot of reading in a lot of weird places. Is all I'll say. <laughs> um, well, Angela, this has been great. Two two kind of final questions here that we um, that we we try to kind of focus on is, and it's it's perfect. You know, you mentioned the work that you're that you're doing uh, around aspiring CHROs. Um, what is one kind of nugget of advice you would give for that person in a director role right now or a VP role that's saying, hey, do I do I want to take that next step or or I do want to take that take that next step? You know, how should I think about it? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think the advice that I would give is to to get some experience outside of HR. I know that may sound a little contrary. And it doesn't necessarily mean vacating HR altogether, but, uh, you know, and I think I heard your previous guest, Jay, talk about this as well, that time outside of HR is incredibly valuable. For me personally, most of my career was outside of HR. I did this a bit of the opposite way. I volunteered and, and got experience in, in HR, and that, you know, brought me more to HR. But I would encourage people, you know, volunteer for a project, do a rotation, do something that gets you some experience outside of your typical HR functions and do it in a way that you're not the HR person in the room, right? Do it as a true participant in the other side of the business. Because I think the perspective that will be gained from that experience is incredibly useful and valuable um, and will help propel um, one's career forward. Yeah, I I think that's amazing, Angela. And especially, I mean, you, you you've kind of hit hit on this a few times in our conversation, but the the CHRO, the chief people officer, if they weren't already, are being called to be more and more of a true business partner relative to all parts of the business. So I, I think that just makes sense, kind of that suggestion, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I, I also think it just gives you perspective in terms of understanding what the business can absorb and how the various, you know, HR programs or interventions or, or strategies that you might be designing land um, in real life on the business. So it just it gives a valuable perspective by putting yourselves kind of in the other side, um, side's yeah. shoes. Awesome. And, and and so last question here, um, Angela, is um, 
and this this actually came into us um, from folks that that watched um, or that listened in to, to why people that weren't HR or people leaders. They were uh, account executives. They were sales folks. They were you know customer experience folks. They said, um, "What advice would you give to somebody from totally outside the function that's interested?" In, in, in coming into the function and, and, and potentially applying for a position and, and looking to, to do the work? What advice would you give? Well, first off, I applaud that. I think that's always phenomenal seeing people from outside HR wanting to explore HR. And I think that speaks to the talent we have in HR and the impact that our, our fellow HR leaders are having. So bravo and kudos on so many levels there. I think from an advice perspective, it's similar, right? I would encourage people to to get involved, to talk to their, you know, HR partner, their H, whoever is doing HR at their organization, to you know make sure that you're forming a relationship first off with them, and ask, you know, how to get involved. Maybe it's volunteering for a project. Maybe it's you know being a reviewer on something or offering some insights um, on on some work that's being done, but get involved, get close and, and make it known that you have an interest. I think most HR leaders are pretty excited, right? When they hear that people outside of the business have an interest, then I would be shocked if uh, there wasn't a, a way to make that happen. So yeah, get some exposure and experience. Well, that's great advice. Well, Angela, thank you so much for, for your time with us today. It was a great conversation learning more about you. I know the BHRC and the larger community is going to be excited to hear from you, but 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 thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you both. It's been a real pleasure. And again, thank you for everything that you do for the HR community. Uh, it's it's really important work, and we're really grateful for it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Angela. Let's take a second thing back. Think back. My, 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 my physical frame is celebrated because I made it.